Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits who are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at Park Power it's always very nice when the author of our featured novel shows interest <laughs> acknowledges us in some way yeah, yeah it's nice and uh basically right from the announcement that we were going to be doing screams from the void and tibbets has been retweeting us on twitter so Which that's very kind very kind and I get the impression has been at least listening to some of the episodes. Which is cool. Uh, because apparently a couple episodes ago, she was, and I quote, cackling. <laughs> now, hopefully it's not cackling at the... <laughs> at us? <laughs> at us, at, at the low quality mom and pop <laughs> podcast that we're doing. And more at our baseless and irresponsible speculation. <laughs> uh, making guesses about things that are to come and cackling because she knows what is to come and we don't. Because, of course... <laughs> We're reading one chapter at a time. The fools! I've <laughs> roped them all in. If only they knew. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. If if I was an author, and someone was speculating about the end of my book, you'd be cackling. As I well? I would also be cackling. It, yeah, <laughs> that's on brand for me. Uh, but we definitely appreciate the author Anne for uh, listening. And if you're listening right now, thank you very much for uh, checking us out. <laughs> Dear Anne Tippett, so far your book is great. Yeah, I mean. We're only four chapters chapters in. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but so far, so good. I'm enjoying it so far, I'm allowed to say. (laughs) Which is saying something, because you are a big scaredy pants and don't particularly like horror. I am a huge scaredy pants. The only reason that we got into watching all the Alien and Predator movies is because uh, the lights were on and I had snacks and you and a blanket. So (laughs) I was okay. Yeah, there you go. Sci-fi and horror are two great tastes that taste great together, though. So uh, It depends. Like chocolate and peanut butter. I've watched all of those alien movies. Most of them are not good. I mean, there are terrible chocolate and peanut butter confections as well. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Just because two things go well together doesn't mean that they are put together competently. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, with that said, I guess a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Ensign Reyna saves a life and then gets castigated for it. Yep. And Rage quits her job. Woo! Storming off to the mess hall to grab some grub. And that essentially leads us directly into chapter four of Screams from the Void by Anne Tibbets. So at risk of getting a little ahead of ourselves on this chapter, we had kind of wondered how exactly do you rage quit your spaceship job when you're stuck on the spaceship? (laughs) Right? You're still on the spaceship. Yeah, from last chapter. And in this chapter, Reyna is kind of just expected to keep working. (laughs) 
Like she gets called to do work and kind of goes to do it at one point late in the chapter. She's kind of implied to still have work to do and it's expected she will continue to perform those duties, uh, at least for the time being. And that made me wonder, have you ever gotten a freebie after either loudly announcing you were going to quit because you'd had enough or doing something that probably should have gotten you fired? I've never exploded to the point where I thought I was going to get fired or done anything that would be considered a fireable offense. I have on one, maybe two occasions, almost rage quit my job. You walked up to that line, but then talked yourself off oh, the Oh, it was real close. <laughs> there was rage and tears and it was, it was very bad, but I wisely took a break <laughs> and did not end up rage quitting my job. Probably for the best. Agreed. I, I also have never done that. But I was reminded of a coworker from years and years ago, back when I was uh, working a, a retail job. And I will, I will not say the place of work. I will not name any names. Very good. Just to protect the innocent. But um, it was during a busy time of year, a lot of stress, a very difficult customer came in. And the coworker got so frustrated that they smashed something on the floor, like a piece of merchandise on the floor, angrily yelled at the customer, and then stormed out. Basically just quit on the spot. Not great. Very unprofessional. Very. But the manager recognized, this is out of character. Uh, went and found the employee at a nearby bar, actually. <laughs> uh, drinking. Was like, why don't you take a couple days off? Come back in on Monday. We'll have a talk. And we'll get this sorted out. And obviously was still working there. Uh, there afterwards. That's very lucky. Yeah. Uh, See, that's good management. Probably sh probably should have gotten fired, all things considered. Yeah. Definitely lost a customer that day, but was under a lot of stress, was at the end of their rope, was dealing with a difficult customer and was just like, no, we're done. Good day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but did not get fired for it. Got the freebie, as I call it. Right. Where the manager was like, we're going <laughs> to let this one pass. Don't do it again, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But uh, yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. Good management, recognizing the problem for what it was, not just the symptoms of what was happening. Kudos to them. Yeah, and in this chapter, Osric doesn't like mention the fact that Reyna essentially just rage quit her job uh, for the most part, and just kind of implies that she's just expected to continue working. And I kind of wonder if part of that is because Osric, despite his bluster and what he's saying knows in the back of his head she's too valuable to lose. It might be that, because it's fair, right? It's not like he can just hire someone else and bring them to the spaceship. Yeah, and in this right? in this chapter, both Tamsin and Avram point out, like, there have been multiple occasions where Reyna's ingenuity has saved them all. Yeah. Even if it's not by the books. Right? He knows he can't get rid of her. It seems to be this underlying, I, I, I almost want to call it, like, culture of the ship like well no you can't stop working you're stuck here and we need to keep the ship going and it's yeah. everybody to do that so yes he can't quote unquote fire her but he can demote her i guess to like chef's assistant so that she can't do she's not allowed to touch any more wires right well, that kind of thing by the end of the chapter i suspect she's on her way to touch more wires so. i am under the impression <laughs> that this book is going to be nothing but her touching wires probably at this and juncture. saving everybody um you talk about the culture of the ship too and based on sorrel's attitude in this chapter because we finally meet sorrel in person yes he was called of. up an hour ago to the bridge and has decided that it's more important to finish his meal yeah i i made the first note 
I put in my book about this chapter is that it has been one hour since chapter one. And nobody even knows that the captain is dead. The yellow alert is still flashing. No one has said anything, which is starting to weird people out. Yeah, because there's been no report from the bridge. And Sorrel seems uninterested. And he's actually not even directly on his way to the bridge after he's finished eating, too. He's got a pit stop to make first. Far more pressing. Yeah, you're far more polite about it than he was. Well, a family podcast. At any rate, um, that's kind of the attitude from Sorrel, based on what we've also seen from Osric, and the attitude that the captain and the pilot had with the ensign on the bridge in the first chapter. It seems like the higher-ranking members of the crew are all just kind of jerks. They're, and have a very lazy, laissez-faire attitude. Yeah, they're pretty uh, blasé. Yeah, even <laughs> Pollux in this chapter. Because uh, the chapter does start from Pollux's perspective, getting taken by Valda to go and sleep off the dehydration yes. and the and the near-death experience. And Pollux is just upset at everybody. I can't tell if Pollux is cranky because she is unwell. And clearly unwell. Right, and clearly unwell. Or if she's just... A cranky person? It's just... Like, all the time? All of the ranking officers on the ship so far have been just kind of cranky jerks. And maybe it's just because they're all middle management on a crappy space barge, but... Yeah. What's to, who's to say? Uh, while we're on the topic of Pollux, in yeah. addition to being taken to go and sleep off the dehydration from just about being cooked in her environment suit, uh, number one, we learned that she hates chivalry. Absolutely yes. hates it. I would go so far as to misinterpret Valda's actual intention to help a person who's clearly unwell with him being chivalrous because she's a woman. Yeah. I'm, I am loath to use the term, but I don't have a better one. The angry feminist who assumes that everyone is treating her differently because she's a woman, as opposed to this being a doctor trying to treat a patient. Who's clearly he, unwell. Yeah, who doesn't care what gender she is. And and is lying about how unwell she is. Yeah. Sometimes was... kindness is just kindness. Yeah, sometimes kindness <laughs> is just kindness. And I, it could, like, let's be fair. We, we're not in Valda's head. He might be being a little more chivalrous because Pollux is a woman. Maybe. But I was reading it as him just being a concerned medical officer. Yeah, me too. Like, he didn't say anything about her being a woman. No, he was, you're dehydrated and need to rest. Yeah, exactly. Are you having trouble walking? Are you lightheaded? Yeah, he's Do you treating need her like a person who has an injury <laughs> yes. who is unwell because she is a person who has an injury and is unwell. More unwell than she even possibly believes because we find out that that itching that she was experiencing in the earlier chapters is because of a rash on her arm that apparently is spreading. Well, here's, okay. It's entirely possible given the circumstances that she just came out of, that she is experiencing a really intense heat rash. Possible. In which case, it will clear up eventually once her body gets back to normal. Well, and Valda doesn't seem too concerned by it and does say, I'll bring you some, like, cortisone cream. Yeah. He asks about it. Yeah. And she's like super cranky, like, get out. And also implies it's been there for a little bit, too. That I don't know. Well, because she knew it was a rash. So Yeah, but was it a rash before she went on her spacewalk? Unclear. Mm. The reason why it raised a little red flag for me is because in this chapter, Avram also starts developing symptoms yes. of being ill. He is clearly unwell, too. Yes, yeah. he's getting which, sick. Which implies that the alien wolf thing is not necessarily the only foreign organism on board the ship. Oh, right no, now. there is there is some kind of space sick happening yeah. here. Our, our bit with Pollux is quite short in, in this chapter. 
Uh, but I really feel we learn a lot about her. Yes. I have a whole string of adjectives. She's got a temper on her. Oh, She's yeah. just an angry, cranky person that might go away when she gets better. Yeah. But I don't know. She could be hangry. We she don't could know. Be, she could be hangry. <laughs> we don't know. She's clearly a workaholic. Yes. Because she's like, I'm doing the greenhouse in an hour. <laughs> and anyone reading this book's like, yeah, no, you're going to pass out for like a day. <laughs> well, hopefully not a day because the timeline so far has been pretty short. I know. But you know what I mean? Like, she was asleep before he left the room. There's no way she's making it to her next greenhouse shift in an hour. She's clearly infected with something. Like, it might be a heat rash. It might not be. It might not be. Right? Mm-hmm. I still want to know if she's regularly this impulsive person who <laughs> leaps over rocky gorges. Is she Is she that brash? Is that new? <laughs> well, we had posited that maybe she wasn't in her right mind when she was doing that. That there might be some problem with her environment suit that was making her act with lowered inhibitions. Mm. But uh, the more that I've read about her, the more I'm thinking, no, I think that's just the way she is. Especially because, again, both Gala and Avram, upon returning from the spacewalk, were like, yeah, it's Pollux for you. Yeah. She seems like the kind of person who's got a serious chip on her shoulder. Kind of, yeah. I bet she's a lot of fun at parties. Oh, for sure. Mm. Mm. You know who is fun at parties, apparently? (laughs) Avram? Avram and Tamsin. (laughs) We learn a little bit more about the two of them this chapter. And you had mentioned Tamsin seems like a nice person. And I've been defending Avram so far as he, we've seen nothing to suggest he's not. No, he seems fine. I bet he and I would get along great, actually. And Reyna, this chapter, basically straight up says, yeah, those are the two nicest people on the boat. Yeah. Like she, Abrams she's actually going to miss these two. Yeah, like Tamsin is always in a chipper mood, always upbeat. Avram is a dork, but he's <laughs> really good at his job, and he's always like quick with a joke or something. So, like the two of them make the job tolerable. So, yes, we've identified the two nicest people on the crew. Hooray! <laughs> All right. So this whole last two thirds of the chapter with Reina in the mess hall is basically a bunch of cast introduction. Yeah. You need a lot of people. So just just to kind of um, set out the blocking of the scene, Raina's in the mess hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Neil. Is, it, is that how you say it? Neil? I believe it's Neil. Okay. It's spelled N-I-A-L-L, so yeah. I wasn't sure. Um, could be Niall. I'm under the impression that that's just an alternate way to spell Neil. Okay. I was saying it is Niall. Okay. In my head. We don't know for sure. No. Does, the cook. <laughs> yes. He is, he is the ship's cook. He is concerned about the yellow alert. Throughout this entire chapter, he keeps eyeing the yellow alert light. And it's because he's a senior member of the crew in that he's been there for a long time. Even if he's not necessarily high-ranked, he's the cook. He knows the captain. And as we kind of establish in this chapter, the captain doesn't usually go to yellow alert. Yeah, red or nothing. Yeah, it's, it's one or the other. Either there's no emergency or there's an emergency. Why be an almost emergency? So the fact that they've gone to yellow alert is concerning. The fact that the captain hasn't addressed it is concerning. And the cook is the only one at the moment who seems to be concerned about it. Everyone else is just kind of, there's a creeping tension Yeah. the longer it goes, but the cook is outright alarmed at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, last chapter, Raina noticed it yeah. and noticed that it hadn't happened and yet. And so, yeah, I think she's just a few steps behind him well, and in the, concern. Yeah. The implication is that there's a couple other people who are perhaps a, a few steps behind as well, but maybe aren't as familiar with the captain and therefore not quite as alarmed about this. But Neil definitely is. We are also introduced to Sorrel at this moment. He's finishing his 
breakfast, I guess. <laughs> His space mush. Yeah, and has not gone to the bridge yet because it's just a yellow alert. Who cares? And uh, will be on his way sometime, presumably, maybe in the next hour. <laughs> Ooh. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the problem is we as readers know what's waiting for him up there. The alien wolf thing might not be up there. Anymore. No, but at the very least, the whole bunch of dead bodies. Oh, yeah, three and corpses. And a gory mess is going to be up there. Uh, the captain, the pilot, and one of the ensigns. As Sora leaves, Avram comes in to have a meal after his spacewalk, mm-hmm. clearly starting to come down with something. Yeah, he's been wiping his nose, yeah. coughing. He's sniffing and coughing earlier in the chapter, and I noticed that before it was outright pointed out, that he was like actually like coughing on food and stuff. Yeah, symptoms of the beginnings of a cold, except we're in space, so it might not be just a cold, you know yeah. what I mean? Then Osric comes in and is like, there you are. And Reyna's like, eh, yeah, I, I told you I was coming to get some food. So it's not like this should be a surprise. Yeah, it's not like you went hunting for me. Osric refrains from tearing another strip off of her, kind of. He doesn't really go that far. And strongly implies that, like, he's assuredly going to write her up and torpedo her career, but he expects her to get back to work. Yeah. Though he does say, I've, I've demoted you to chef's assistant so you won't be causing any more problems like by the end of the chapter she's being called to do tech work again so i i think that's kind of where that's why i brought that up earlier Mm -hmm. in the episode osric actually gets some pushback though from avram avram does come to reyna's defense and then tamsin shows up short time later also comes to reyna's defense and reyna's just like Like, trying to send them both wordless like looks like do not engage on this you know when you look at someone and they're like "Mm." yeah but they do actually stand up for her and osric doesn't give them a ton of pushback. Possibly because he just doesn't want to fight with all of his ensigns right now. His but. best defense against other people standing up for Reyna is, oh, she's got you all fooled. Yeah, basically. Like, no, dude. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not really how it works. Uh, and then the final person to show up is another technical hand named Morvin. Yeah. Who's like big and imposing. He towers over everybody else. And an utter jerk face. And he is a total jerk. He like sweeps in and just basically ruins everyone's day. Like Osric is a big jerk, but so is is Morvin. Yeah. Morvin's a different kind of jerk. Like Osric's a jerk because he wields his rank around, right? Like a club. He's, He's a petty tyrant. Yeah. He's a petty tyrant. Morvin's just a jerk. He's just a bully. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I wrote down a, a name and a description for all these characters to help me keep track of them. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote next to Morvin was Ensign Jerkface. There you go. Ensign Jerkface. Ensign Jerkface also does uh, physically intimidate Avram at one point. Like, get, gets, tries to. gets into his space. Avram, however, is the exact right kind of sarcastic that he just like is like, I see what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm not going to get bullied by you for this. Stop it. So... This is a question I have. Based on Reyna's reaction to Morvin... 100%, he is her ex. He, uh, that's what I was wondering. Yep. Is he the ex? I am. It is It is pointing real hard at him being her ex. The way she reacts to him, the way he just Kind of treats pointedly everyone. ignores her. Yeah, treat, and the way he treats everyone in the room. I'm like, oh, I am pretty sure this is the ex. That's also the impression I get. It hasn't been absolutely spelt out, but I was picking up those clues too. So Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the grand tour of the uh, Lower Decks crew that we uh, we get in this chapter. 
having had kind of enough of more Osric and wanting to get away from Morven, clearly, Reyna makes her excuses and leaves the galley and is pretty much immediately contacted by Gala to come and do some work and goes to do that. So yeah. that's kind of where the chapter ends off. Because Osric sends her to clean up the mess. Finish cleaning up the, the mess. Yeah. yeah, that she stormed away from, which... Fine, she can go do. But now she has to turn around and head in the exact opposite direction because she's just been called away. Yeah, she's been paged by Gala to come and assist with data processing. So I don't know what that means. Well, they did get data from the planet surface. Yeah, I know. And possibly more than just data but from just, the planet surface. That's really vague, right? Like that's yeah. being called to a room. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. So, how much longer before people discover that there's dead bodies on the bridge? I don't know. How long is Sorrel going to be in the bathroom? (laughs) Hard to say. There are a couple things I still want to talk about, about this chapter in general. I really appreciate the way that Tibbets ramped up the tension by simply having the characters discuss the yellow alert. Yeah. Just talking about it. How odd it is. How odd it is. Oh, this is strange. And I was like, yes. Tension. Ah! Well, there's also tension in the crew. We discussed this earlier on in the book. Um, Everybody's just at the end of this long tour. Oh, yeah. Tensions are high. Tempers are, like, right at the edge. (laughs) Yeah. And so not only is there this external tension of something's wrong and nobody's addressing it, what's happening. There's also the internal tension of just tempers running hot. Everybody's just ready to snap at each other at any given moment. Yeah, it's a bunch of cabin fever cranky people. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's tension coming from every direction. This entire ship is a very taut piece of string that's ready to snap. Right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, Sorrel is going to eventually head up to the bridge. It's been an hour. So either something's going to hit the fan when he gets there or he's going to die immediately. Hard to say. Depends on if the alien is still in in the room and if it's still angry and or hungry. I don't know what it's doing. Here's a clue that it's still on the bridge. If the last we see of Sorrel is in this chapter. <laughs> yes, then it's still on the bridge. And we never hear from him again. <laughs> we can assume he went up to the bridge and was promptly murdered. And was promptly killed. Very good. Um... <laughs> How big is the crew of this ship? Do we know? Uh, it hasn't been outright stated what the crew complement is. My we... guess is it can't be more than a few dozen people. Presumably. But also, it's very clear that for some of these people, they're doing double duty. Like, Valda is also the medical officer. Yes. But he's got other duties. Of course. And Pollux goes on spacewalks and is part of the botanical team, but also has other duties. So my assumption is that it's probably running a smaller crew. Who are doing a lot of jobs. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a small collection of ensigns, mm-hmm. right? And there's obviously officers above that, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe, maybe, like, like a classroom size worth of people. Quite possibly. Like, maybe a two dozen people on this ship, tops. And that actually would feed back into why everybody's at each other's throats, because you know everybody very well at that point. It's oh. not like the Starship Enterprise where there's a thousand people on board and you could meet a new person every day Yeah, for a year or more. No, this is tiny. This, this is... is, yeah, and you're only dealing with the same people over and over and over again, and you start to notice things like their bad hygiene or their crummy attitude, and they start to rub you the wrong way, and you're in confined close quarters. Mm-hmm. You have no choice, yeah. Yeah. Oh, something I put in my notes that I just thought was funny was, of course the food is terrible. 
It's a starship. Of course it is. Why would they have good food? It's just everything about this ship is terrible. All Everything is terrible. Always. Everything. Well, there's a practical aspect to it because if you're going on a long haul ship, you're going to have a lot of food that's preserved. Right? Yeah. That's true on an ocean voyage. That's true, uh, at least a classical ocean voyage. That's going to be true on uh, on a spaceship. But this is also presumably capitalism in yeah. space. Yep. And space capitalism, just like an alien, is going to cut costs where it can. And sure, you need this many calories to survive in space per day. They don't need to taste good. Nope. <laughs> And apparently they do not. So we're going to go with the lowest bidder. <laughs> I don't know why. I imagined all of their food being in like those baby food squeeze packs. Yeah, I was I was picturing like an aluminum squeeze pack. Yeah, right? me too. With Where you just like suck down your roast beef dinner and then just the texture's all wrong. I was like, Ugh, this sounds horrible. Technically the right flavor, but <laughs> all the- Technically the right flavor. But all the wrong texture. Yeah, except it's probably not even a good right flavor. It's like, well, it's almost like roast beef. Yeah. <laughs> except it's just mush. <laughs> I don't think I would do well in space, is what I'm saying. No, it's terrible there. You have to rely on a lot of stuff just to keep you alive. Yeah. Most of my notes about this chapter are like, how are these people not getting into fistfights? We don't know that they haven't. Uh, I'm pretty sure by now somebody would have thrown a punch in that mess hall. Fair enough. Might happen before the end of the book. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe. But on that note, uh, we'll have to see what happens as we move into chapter five, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Yeah. In the meantime, you know, I don't super have a a perfect segue this week. So I'll just say that uh, one of the longtime supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network has been the Edmonton Community Foundation. Uh, They do great work locally. Uh, helping just regular folks like you and I set up endowment funds that can help fund things like the arts or community services, things like that. And they have a podcast that talks all about that. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of The Well-Endowed Podcast. The Well-Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well-Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. Well-Endowed Podcast. Yeah, if you haven't heard us talk about them before, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Friends of the podcast. Absolutely. Because they're, they're practically co-hosts at this point. <laughs> we've, uh, we've plugged them so often. Now, as we've also often said, obviously the Edmonton Community Foundation is very local to us, but there are absolutely going to be organizations just like it near to you. Yes. You should seek them out and uh, find out how you can better enrich your own community, wherever you happen to live. Absolutely. Yeah. You can also find out more about the Alberta Podcast Network by checking out the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Tons of great podcasts there on a myriad of topics. Oh, yeah, a whole bunch. You'll definitely find something else you like. You can find those podcasts on the podcatcher of your choice while you're there, probably where you're catching our pod. Maybe give us a little rating and a review. We appreciate that. We do appreciate that. We also appreciate you reaching out on social media. Uh-huh. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. That or makes just, us fairly easy to find. Or just the read along on Goodreads. On That's go- the one exception. It's the really. one that doesn't use an at. It's why I say most. Uh, you can also reach us via email. Yes, we are at thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time.
we might get a space fight. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>